Today's episode is brought to you by DB. DB is a Scandinavian brand that makes backpacks and bags to help people on the move stay ready for anything, from the streets to the peaks. DB's gear is travel tested by some of the world's best athletes, greatest adventurers, and wonderful creators. Over the past decade, DB has designed and developed, released and refined the best bags in the market. With DB's patented hookup system, you're able to attach smaller products to your backpack, a roller, or a tote. Just think of it, ladies and gentlemen, you can run from one train platform to another or one airport to another and not lose any of your pieces. We're teaming up with DB to exclusively offer our listeners 10% off your next purchase by using the code POD10, P-O-D-1-0, or going to the link in our show notes. DB, it's time to move on. Time to get going. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Claudia Monicelli. My avid followers knew this podcast as Pleasure Seeking, the Pleasure Seeking podcast, named after my book, The Magic of Pleasure Seeking. As soon as it's available for pre-order, I'll announce it here. Enjoy your listening. (laughs) Well, what are we going to talk about today? This episode is dedicated to the voice, your voice, your superpower, My guest, Sharon Hughes. Who is Sharon Hughes? Sharon Hughes is the author of a best-selling book called The Girl in the Garage, Three Steps to Letting Go of Your Past. How wonderful. A a faith-based book for breaking free from a lack of confidence and self-worth issues. Her actually her book has won the silver medal in Christian biblical biblical counseling recently. She's also the founder of Confidence Academy, the host of Called to Confidence podcast and you she'll talk about that. It's a, a confidence she is a confidence and self-worth expert and critical incident stress debriefer. How interesting. It's it's unique, this is. Um, she's a wonderful communicator that speaks in a friend over coffee type style. So we'll, we'll, we'll test her. How about that? <laughs> Hi, Sharon. So happy you could Hi. come. Thank you so much for having me, Claudia. It's a pleasure. It's my pleasure. My pleasure. Now, with all of these things, you are a busy woman. I mean, uh, I'm an author too, and it's quite, you know, one of the things, at least is my experience, putting that word, the, the period at the end of that chapter, at the end of the book, it's ready to go out, you know. And so the way I look at it is, there's going to be another book. This is just one, you know, so it becomes easy. Now, um, there are a lot of things I'd like to talk to you about, Sharon, and have you talk to us, because I see that the key word here is confidence. And, um, Mm -hmm. but 
at the same time, you do talk about blind spots and leadership blind spots. Why don't we start with creating killer confidence? And it's not what you think. Tell us what it is then. Well, I have a different take on confidence and self-worth. I believe that confidence is a skill set that you can learn. So great example is somebody that bakes cakes. Now, I'm not the person that brings those beautiful, fancy cakes to parties. I'm kind of a cake mix, tub of frosting kind of girl. Right. I'm confident in following the directions on the back of that cake mix box, but I'm not confident in using the fancy, I believe they're called piping bags. They have the tips that you put in there that make the different shapes and flowers and so, so on. But can that be learned? Yes, of course it could be. So becoming a cake decorator is something you and I could learn how to do. Well, if we could learn to do that, we could probably learn to do so many other things. Mm -hmm. So this is to understand that anything new feels awkward. Right. Whether that is leading a team, so we tie that into that leadership piece, or whether it is decorating the cake. There's a learning curve and people seem to think that right out of the gate, they ought to be an expert. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is that limiting belief or an expectation that they grew up with of you have to be perfect and nothing else. So that's how I I would add for women, women have it tough when it comes to that department. They do. They do. You know, it's interesting. I was speaking with a a gentleman the other day and we were talking about the differences Mm -hmm. where men are told, don't cry, suck it up, be a man, support your family, you know, be a boss, be a boss. But at the same time, you gotta, you gotta be, you know, a little bit soft to your wife and kids. So they have a lot of pressure too. And then we have the different pressure is that we're supposed to look gorgeous keep a gorgeous house and, and have it all together. Right. And these things are lies that we believe. So going back to the confidence is, is that it's normal to feel like, hey, this is awkward or a little, little messy, or maybe it's just flat out hard, but that's different than self-worth. Self-worth is when you think, I don't deserve this. Right. Or if they knew that I struggled so hard to make this beautiful cake that I brought to the party, what would they think of me? Right. Or, or what if they knew that I struggled in leading my team in the office? I I just, when it stepped into the C-suite, what if they knew my boss would surely fire me? And then what would they think of me? That's more tied into Mm self-worth. Even going deeper. um, I'm not worthy of love. I'm not worthy of good things. And that is, <clears throat> excuse me, exactly what I walked through. I never had a confidence issue. I'm an extrovert and kind of a jump in and figure it out later type yeah, of person. Yeah, yeah. But I had a very, very deep self-worth issue. Well, you know, I was going to ask you what brought you to this? And how did you ultimately mm-hmm. equate self-worth issues with confidence? If you didn't have confidence issues yourself? Well, gosh, that's that's the million dollar question right there. It was from growing up with a lot of abuse and trauma. There you go. Mm-hmm. I 
Yeah, right. It's always it's it's you can almost always look to the past yes, to figure it out. More mental abuse, Sharon. No, okay. it was it was emotional, physical, and sexual ah, abuse. Oh, yeah. So the yeah, so the girl in the garage is me. Uh-huh. I was handed a drink right. at a Halloween party when I was sixteen, uh, and I woke up in a garage at a different location. Mm-hmm. So even though that was bad, what happened after it was the icing on the cake. Right. There We've you been go. talking about cake been a lot. Talking about when cake, you- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was w- coming home for for after four in the morning and the porch lights off and the front door is locked and I have to wake up my mom to get into the house and she just looks at me and doesn't say, you know, where have you been? What happened to you? Are you okay? Nothing. No medical attention, no police report, and it's never spoken of, of again. Course. Because I'd already had so much abuse, this just sealed the deal that... I had no value. Right. right. So that was the big switch in my life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's really, I, I hate to say it, but you know, Sharon, when I think self-worth, how could you not have confidence issues when there is that difficulty in self-worth? It just doesn't make sense to me, you know, because it seems they would go hand in hand. Yeah, you would think so. But no, I was, I was very driven to do different things. I've, I've done everything from having an international wholesale business of home decor, which was, you know, fantastically featured in magazines. Way before that, I was a swimwear model. Yeah, I was on a magazine cover with that. I've done everything. But deep down, it was never enough. It was never enough to feel like, wow, look, look at what I've accomplished. Mm -hmm. And that's how I started to realize I have a self-worth issue because nothing was ever good enough. Mm -hmm. I would accomplish something and and say, okay, what's next? Keep Mm -hmm. going. Keep going. You you started by saying I'm an extrovert. Extrovert comes from the word going Mm -hmm. outward, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Another thing I'd like to ask you is um you mentioned that your book is a um faith-based book now Mm -hmm. of course we understand what those words mean individually but when you talk about faith is it of the idea of faith in general or the idea of turning to a specific faith for specific purposes I, I don't know if mm-hmm. I've confused you there, but. No, I think I know what you mm-hmm. mean. No, I actually don't remember a day that I did not believe in God as the Trinity, Father, okay. Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I always believed in that Jesus was my savior, went to Sunday school as a little girl. And, you know, I'm asked a lot, well, have you been angry with God because of all the things that happened to you? And there was some really bad stuff. There's everything from parental abduction to homelessness. So I've ran the gamut. That's why I say I've kind of been through it all. You know, I've had nowhere, no pillow to lay my head on. And I've lived in a 4,000 square foot house with the view of the ocean. I've had it all. (laughs) Not a whole lot surprises me. 
But my journey was, even though bad things were happening, what I understood was God didn't cause these things to happen. We're, we have free will. Of course. Whether you believe in God or not, we have yeah. free will. You get to choose what pants you're going to wear. Yeah. You can choose what you're going to eat today. You can choose whatever whatever That's you're going to really do. That's really the essence there's, of life. This, uh, it's sort of a dilemma of choosing. That's, that's oh, yeah. our predicament. It is such a predicament because with these choices come consequences. Good choices have good consequences. Bad choices have bad consequences. So what I realized is the people that had abused me for years, they were using their free will, their power to choose, and they were not choosing wisely. There was a consequence to them and there was a consequence to me. And then there's a ripple effect of how it's like throwing a stone in the water right. and you see that ripple go out. It affects the people that are in your, your sphere of influence, so to speak, or your realm. Yeah. So I knew that, you know, hey, these people that have done bad things, they have the freedom to choose what they're doing. So I was never mad at God. But my book goes into that faith journey of your identity in God. Who does God say that you are? Mm -hmm. So, well, I thought I did. <laughs> I just blew that and lost my thought. Now, um, we can get out of that. So it's not God's fault. You never had the idea that it was uh, uh, the fault of a higher power. Yeah. Um, right. But I was, I'm going to lead you into perhaps uh, the next idea because I find that they're linked. Um, there is, of course, mm -hmm. you talk about trauma and surviving trauma. I, I don't want to go there just yet. But what, mm -hmm. what really is fascinating for me is this um, leadership blind spots. Mm -hmm. It is a fascinating topic. You know, a lot of people, when it comes to the confidence and self-worth piece, they get into leadership and, oh gosh, we could go on for hours about this. Some people wear a mask to survive. Okay. I wore a mask to survive. Sure. Sometimes we find people in leadership, they're wearing a mask to survive. They don't understand that. See, I, I was in corporate training a few years ago and I worked in leadership development. And what I saw was that if you don't work on yourself personally, it will come out, it will leak out in your professional life. Give you can have example, doctorates, degrees. Child. Give me an example. Uh -huh. We don't have to name the person. Let's talk, call mm -hmm. them Mr. or Miss X. And how were they <laughs> acting that you would be able to understand that there is a mask? I mean, we all have our masks. We change them during the day. But in this case, what was relevant to you that made you pick it out? Well, the easiest one to identify for anybody out there listening is the need to control. Yes, sure. So we see that a lot in leadership. You know, what's sad is that a lot of people are promoted to positions because they're good at a task, not because they're good at leading people. Right. So they can end up with this, this weird hang up in their head like I had referred to earlier, if anybody only knew. So I had better do 
this, this, and this so that nobody knows that I'm struggling. So I'm going to control my environment. Mm -hmm. I'm going to control my team. I'm going to control the outcomes and the people. Well, for one thing, if people on your team are leaving (laughs) and they're not producing, they're, they're probably not happy. And you might want to look at yourself and how you're running your team. That's, that's always the the easiest place to start. But if, if you feel like you have to control things, you have to control outcomes, you probably have a self-worth issue. If you're controlling you know, at work, if you're controlling when you come home to your family. So what that does is it starts affecting those interpersonal relationships. Mm-hmm. People are gonna pull away, they're gonna walk away. So you have to do that work on yourself so that you're growing and you're developing like we should always be growing and developing regardless of your background regardless of your belief system regardless of your education we should all be developing people are not we were not created to be stagnant we weren't created to hit this mark and then sit on the couch and say i've arrived so you want to keep growing and developing because whatever you're doing truly should be poured into the team or your spouse or your children, you need to learn how to pass that baton and create the legacy that you want okay, to leave. So now when you talk about working on yourself, let's mm-hmm. go from the abstract to the specific. Um, what could that consist of in your mind? You know, according to Sharon Hughes. <laughs> oh, I love the way you set this up. This is good stuff. Okay, so working on yourself here's what i tell leaders to do be intentional about what you want to accomplish and review that's perfect go on be intentional (laughs) you want to be intentional you want to know what what is it that i really want to accomplish what is it that i envision for this team at work we'll just stick with the with you're running a team okay how how am i going to get these people from point a to Z. What's happening to all the letters in between A and Z. But then once you figure out how you're going to strategize to get them there, you need to look at yourself and say, am I a good communicator? Am I clear? Am I equipping them? How is my communication? I I may be clear, but I might be a jerk. Like you, you really have to face yourself in the mirror and say, well, what kind of feedback have I gotten in the past? And you may need a mentor. It's very, very important for people, especially high level people to have somebody that they can be vulnerable with. Yes. You don't have to broadcast it to the world, but you need someone you can talk to where you can say, this is what's going on. And hey, I'm not sure if I can get my team all the way to Z. Yeah. I, I'm not sure that they are really hearing me. What do I need to do? Right. One of the the biggest requests I had when I was in corporate training was a company of 500 people. And I'd went around to every department and asked the leaders, you know, what do you need? And they all said, we need soft skills. We need to know how to talk to people because, hey, you you, right. You've got people coming in that are spending 40 plus hours a week with you. They you they see you as your as the boss more than they see their family. Probably I really have hard time believing that, that people are working with other people and they can't communicate. 
they can't communicate. They don't know how to communicate. They don't know how to say it so that it doesn't sound this way or that way, or they want to not have face-to-face conversations. You know, a lot of companies use um, like Microsoft Teams. So instant messaging or emailing, well, a heck of a lot gets lost in translation when we do that. There's we're missing that voice fluctuation, the the social cues of looking at someone's face. We miss so much reading the body language. So if I said to you, if I said, if I said, oh, Claudia, what a great job. That sounds nice. But if I say, Claudia, what a great job. Well, sounds completely different. You, and then we go, I oh, knew that you were really tight with it. Your words, I would, ex- I would know that it was a really good job. <laughs> it's a two way street. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. It's, it's, but you're talking about the leaders. And I'm wondering, as mm-hmm. I'm listening to you, they must have seen you a mile away. I bet they were shivering in their boots when they when they knew that the leadership person's coming. She's going to analyze me. <laughs> didn't you ever get flack from people in the office like that? I mean, didn't they, you know, mm-hmm. or, or did they accept willingly that you were there to help them? You know what was so interesting is they wanted to be there. They wanted to learn. Okay. And at the same time, I was hearing things from some of the, you know, people that were um, a little older in the company, yeah. you know, they would bag on the millennials. I'll tell you, the trainings I did where the biggest demographic was the millennials was the most engaged. They had the most yeah, questions. They, are, they, are. Mm-hmm. they really yeah. wanted to know. And they were bright. Yeah. They were bright. Yeah. There's a, a big energy around the millennials, but it does go two ways. I, I've been studying and analyzing the millennial group for quite some time. And we have, there are definitely two types we have mm-hmm. those that are really in the footsteps of their parents, their baby boomer parents, who they've criticized for years, but then they replicate what they're doing. But then there is, well, I think the majority, I would say 60%, who are really ready to change, but not to change mm-hmm. office, to change life, ready to go to the Himalaya. And, and that is really interesting. They are open mm-hmm. to change. How, how fascinating. So what I gather from what you're saying, is it true that you, are, uh, you work with males often? You have, um, because may, males may be in leadership positions more, or what, what do you, do, did you ever think of that? Well, when I was in corporate training, it was a mix uh-huh. of males, men and women. Yeah. I found that a lot of women came wanting to learn more, but they were still very concerned. It was like there was something that was holding them back. Whereas the men were seemed to participate more, have a lot more questions and, and really see, came across much more eager to learn. Mm. I don't work in corporate training anymore. So now when I work on confidence and self-worth, it is specifically with women. women. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, a while back, um, not well maybe a couple of months ago there was a woman who worked with corporate settings and she targeted targeted her efforts specifically to women and it was all about confidence and i mm. 
asked her, and I am going to ask you, um, this word confidence is, is, you know, there are a lot of synonyms for confidence, right? And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. isn't, couldn't there be another word more than confidence, right? Why I'm asking you that, you come from an environment, right? I'm talking, let's take you personally. Um, young Sharon, in her puberty years, 19, then getting to 20, and she has two parents, right? Compared to uh, Susan, who who is similar, of the similar age, she has two different parents. Now, why could Susan be so more, such so much more confident, and Sharon not so much, uh, as, not as confident? Is it a question of support in that at that age? Could it be? Well, it it could definitely be a question of support, but the the support level a person gets generally dictates to you what you believe about yourself. Wait, say that again. So say that again slowly. So the support Okay, so level. the support level that you get generally dictates what you believe about yourself. Oh. So let's say you have parents that have a couple of kids right. and they're very, very supportive of one's sports right. or academic or creative journey, right. and then they're not supportive of the other child. Uh-huh. The other child starts to say, well, what's wrong with right. me? And that's where the self-worth issues okay. start. Okay. So it is a matter yeah. of support. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it does. I think it has a lot to do with it. it. It really does. Because not a whole lot of children have the capacity to look at a situation evaluate it and say, wow, my parents are doing this for that child and they're not doing it for me. There's nothing wrong with me. They're really out of whack. Like, because, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we come to the planet and we think our parents and the adults around us know better. They kind of convince us of that. Right. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, so, So I'm thinking to myself, here you are and, uh, you, you know, Compared to Susan, let's say same age, 1920, um, just ready to jump out into the world. And Sharon comes out with a strong face-based uh, upbringing or in any case, personal uh, face-based upbringing herself, her reading or whatever, wherever she got that from. But Susan does not have that. Do you think how much does the faith side to the story bring in to uh, the the outcome of a person's self-worth, confidence? Mm-hmm. Yes, actually, it's kind of interesting. There has been quite a bit of research that has shown that people that practice a faith are generally healthier and happier. Right. So that's very interesting to me. Um, you know, I think that there... There comes a point where we all question who right. we are. Why are we here on earth? Mm-hmm. And f- especially, well, I'll speak from my of own course. experience. When you start finding like some of the things that it says in the Bible right. that says, you know, you were you were created for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I was created for a purpose. Right. And, you know, a power higher than me says so. You get to either choose to believe that yeah. or not. A book says that, remember? You're reading it. So so it has an mm-hmm. effect on you. And that means mm-hmm. that that book came to you from your social environment, right? Your your family environment. That's what I mean. 
because we learn yeah. that. Yeah, quite right? often. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Quite often. Yeah. yeah. So, so that means yeah. that it affects you in a very, very, very strong way. And I do believe you because I too have found the statistics that people who have a strong faith are healthier, um, more uh, successful. That, that goes without saying. And you question, when you talked about having a higher purpose and, you know, it's there, it's written, I can't tell you how many people come to me, please, I need to know what my purpose is. I need to know what mm-hmm. my soul's purpose is. And I'm thinking mm-hmm. to myself, don't you think that's an odd question? Would you go to another person mm-hmm. and ask that? You, Sharon, I'm saying. You know, I, I think that that was probably younger me would have. Okay, I see. But th- yeah, yeah. There there comes a, a point of when you've done, you know, the searching, the reading. Yeah. Um, you've I've been in some counseling scenarios and things right. like that. But there just comes that moment where, well, again, from my experience of getting quiet and listening, yeah. and I heard God's yeah, voice. And I I yeah. was so, yeah, yeah. so surprised. And that was a huge Changed. game yeah. changer game for changer. me. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. What mm-hmm. age was that? Do you mind mm-hmm. me asking? Oh, well, actually, when I heard his voice, I... It was just a few years ago. I was actually laying in bed one morning and I was praying and I was saying, I'm not going to make it. Mm-hmm. I was going through some Difficult very serious things. things. And the grief I had never grieved all my life was now Coming blowing up. up. Yeah. And I heard him say, what are you believing about yourself? You and I just thought, oh my gosh, nobody had ever asked me that. Right. And I thought, you know, because you're all knowing. And he said, is it true? Mm-hmm. And that was the moment that I said, oh my gosh, I've believed I was a throwaway. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, was there yeah. for the taking, yeah. you know, all these terrible yeah. things that I believed about myself. Well, I am bringing you to that because when wow. you said, yes, probably the younger mm-hmm. me would have asked mm-hmm. the people who come to me are not young. I mean, not young. We are mm-hmm. all young. I'm talking 50 and upwards, yeah. at least 45 mm. and upwards, and they're still wow. asking themselves. And if you yourself said just a few years ago when, you know, life life is wonderful because it's so unpredictable, but damn, you know, sometimes it is difficult. Those times will keep coming and we can count on that. And the questions mm-hmm. still keep coming, you know? But when Mm -hmm. you have an experience like you have had, when the voice comes and you actually hear it, that is, like you said, a game changer. Not many people Mm -hmm. have that. They can't hear. They can't listen. They don't feel the vibration. They, They have no clue. They don't, it's as if they feel like they have to hear a word in a sentence, uh, a whole, mm-hmm. they have to see the figurine that they have on their, you know, dresser. And it's, it's, it's very limiting and um, it's unfortunate. But tell us then, after that came, game changer came, what were the next steps that put you into motion? What were the immediate things that you did? Well, I was already in such a state of pursuing God. Right. 
with everything yeah. in me. I was chasing, right. not just pursuing, but chasing. And it was right after that that I, I, I thought, you know, I just have to go really deep and start analyzing what what is it that I'm believing about myself. So I did a lot of journaling work, oh, and I had been journaling yeah. for a number of years. It's amazing, isn't it? And it's. It is amazing because you write things down in your highest of highs and your right, lowest of right. lows. And then when you go back and, and you read, read it, it, sometimes you don't recognize who wrote, <laughs> who wrote that. that. You're was like, that who me? is that person? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. So that was the, the first step was really analyzing, you know, what do I believe about myself and is it true? Because that's kind of confrontational right. oh, if you're believing things that are not true. And some people really have a hard time discerning if what they believe about themselves is true or not. And that's when I say you need to find someone you can be vulnerable with, someone you can trust. Now, don't just trust anybody. Don't tell people that don't that you haven't vetted that they're a safe right. person. Don't tell them that your inner secrets or what you're struggling with. They haven't earned that. Yeah. You need a, a coach or counsel, counselor, a clergy, you know, a best right. friend. Somebody's going to support right. you in that walk. Yeah. Sharon, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, literally I have my mouth open because I'm so happy that you agreed to come on the show and that you were so candid about your, your own personal journey, journey, apart from, you know, the success in business and the success as a consultant or any kind of, and your book, you know, the, the uh, wonderful book, but it's so, um, not everyone is candid about that. And uh, generally people like to talk and, you know, just scratch the surface. Thank you so much for this opening. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Claudia. You know, honestly, I think it, it is my calling and purpose. Like we talked about, you know, what's our purpose? I believe that the things that, the lessons that we learn, yeah. the things that we survive and we walk through and maybe even some of the things that your listeners are still in the middle of these things can become your superpower yes, these things exactly. can be used yes. to, help the world. to help the world i don't that is right you know, when, when someone comes and asks what am i meant to be and i said well look if you're a baker we're totally we talking about cakes uh, that's your purpose when you extend it to someone outward that becomes a life purpose. So there's not just in here, it's always out there. It's, it's extending mm -hmm. it. Tell our listeners where they can find you and read about you and your book. Oh, yeah. So you can find the book on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. But come visit me at SharonHughes.net. And if anybody purchases the book, I would be glad to give you a free training. Just take a picture of your receipt and e email it to me. And the email address is hello at SharonHughes.net. And then I will give you a free course called Beyond the Book. Good for you. Good for you. I, I'll yeah. write all of this on the underneath the episode that that's wonderful absolutely thank you sharon <laughs> hughes thank you so much bye, -bye.